Welcome, party people, to You Scared of This, <laughs> the longest-running weekly podcast in which two grown men watch every single episode of Nickelodeon's classic TV horror anthology show for children from the year 2000, Are You Afraid of the Dark? But our goal in this show, for all you newbies out there joining us in episode 90, <laughs> is to ponder whether or not the show is still scary. I am one of your hosts, and my name is David Dykus, and I am joined, as always, by my best friend live from Austin, Texas, Music City, USA. Nope. But not really. Live from the Sunshine State, Eli Phillips. Nope. <laughs> Hello, party people. It is me, Eli. You know, you said you said we are the longest-running Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. I want we talked what we we talked about what we wanted the movie adaptation of our show to be. I want it to be a story about someone else who is coming close to having more episodes of their Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast than us, and so we have to come out of retirement and it's like a Rocky story where we have to like come back and, and dust off the gloves and, and retrain ourselves to do this. They have reviewed all of the episodes and they have bonus episodes and they're going to do one more final episode where they interview us and we accidentally agree to it, not realizing that, that will break our record. <laughs> <laughs> we were just so flattered. Yeah. How could we say no? So uh, get on the horn, Hollywood. Make that yeah, movie yeah. happen. Make that At movie me. about our podcast about a different show happen. <laughs> uh, what no. are we talking about here? We are here today to talk about... The penultimate episode of mm-hmm. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. We have made it all the way to episode 90 of, of Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's going to be the tale of many faces. And thank God, because this leather bag of coffee creamer is getting, like, way down to the bottom. Yeah, eventually they're just going to have to throw the bag in and hope that all the residue just catches fire. Mm-hmm. Before we get going, Eli, do we have any Nickelodeon news you want to run through really quickly? Because we're both really tired. Uh, why, Dykus, I have two of our favorite kinds of Nickelodeon news. Please don't be a hotel. Please don't be a hotel. Please don't be a hotel. It's not a hotel, but you're okay. very close. I want to tell you, Dykus, about the Nickelodeon exhibition that's happening inside of a mall in Shanghai. Eh, close enough. Tell me about the exhibition happening in a mall in Shanghai. It's your standard fair Nickelodeon exhibition. It's going to have a few different play areas for kids with Nickelodeon characters. It's weird to me now that when they talk about like the popular Nickelodeon characters that they're using, the only one that I ever watched was SpongeBob. I guess technically I saw episodes of Dora because of my nieces, but like the only episode that I will the only show I willingly watched was SpongeBob. And it's just gonna be a, a thing in a Shanghai mall where kids can meet SpongeBob or play Paw Patrol themed games or do Dora the Explorer activities and it's so weird that Nickelodeon is expanding into more malls internationally and throughout the United States. How do neither of us have one of these in our city? But anyway, so that's a thing that's happening. Just another leg of the tour that we're going to have to do. Yeah, the journey continues. Any of our fans in Shanghai, we encourage you to check it out and report back to us. But do it quickly because you don't have much time. Yeah, the clock is ticking. You have to get there before they open and before we close. Right. Uh, another thing worth noting is that the nominees for the Kids' Choice Sports Award, an award show so far removed from my life that I don't even know any of these people, but the nominees have been announced. Uh, it is going to be hosted by someone named Chris Paul, who is apparently from something called the NBA. I have a passing familiarity with Mr. Paul, a well-respected hoops player. 
He is a he's a, the one of the stars of a uh, long running television spinoff of Space Jam. Uh, yeah, so Chris Paul is going to be hosting on July 21st. We'll be done by then, won't we? God willing, yes. And we don't need to talk about who any of these fucking nominees are. What we need to talk about is the categories. Because the categories are as follows. Favorite male athlete. Fine. Favorite female athlete. Okay. King of swag. Queen of swag. Not real categories have nothing to do with sports. Best canon. Wait, Biggest what? powerhouse. Clutch player of the year. Yeah, that's right. Did you know that the Kids' Choice Sports Awards was where they nominate people for pornography? Gross. I wasn't even thinking about that. The biggest powerhouse and the and the best canon. <laughs> the Nickelodeon Adult Film Awards. <laughs> I guess the Adult's <laughs> Choice Awards would be the, you know, the more appropriate name. I got nominated for a Nickelodeon Adult's Choice Awards. Oh, I'm so sorry. What? Well, you know that they slime everyone who accepts an award, right? Oh, no! I'm tempted to tell you to cut that joke because of how terrible it is. How do they make it white? (laughs) Oh, God, we have to stop. All right, let's let's move on from this. That's the (laughs) grossest joke I've ever made on this show. I'm so sorry, listeners. Feel free to check out before our show is over. I'm sorry. Eli, let's just abandon ship here and get to talking about the tale of many faces. Well, before we do that, we used to do a thing that I quite enjoyed, where we just talked bullshit about pop culture. And I got two very important things to talk to you about, Dykus. Oh, alright. One, I watched the movie Hereditary, and I've never been more scared of anything in my whole life. Well, I was about to ask you, you scared of it? Yes. During the movie, I was like, Man, this kind of feels like if Are You Afraid of the Dark grew up. It's like a a very small, insular story about a family and the kids are having problems. And it mostly takes place like in their home. And then there are things that happen that I don't want to talk about. And I was like, this feels like if Are You Afraid of the Dark evolved. And then it goes bonkers. And by the end of it, I was like, oh man, Are You Afraid of the Dark could not evolve that far. So if you're a fan of the show but want something a bit more bonkers... If you, listen, I can't in good conscience recommend this movie to anyone, but it is, it is really something. What other bit of pop culture did you want to talk about? Well, Dykus, um, as you may know, the, the three E's are happening right now, and Nintendo has just announced all of the characters for Super Smash Bros., literally all of them. Oh yeah, why don't you rattle them off for me? Alright, there's Mario, and mm. Green Mario... And mm-hmm. Ape Mario. Uh huh. That, that's it. Scaling back this year. Well, I mean, yeah. they, those were always the three most popular characters anyway. Uh, but no, you and I had a conversation earlier about how excited we are that literally every character is going to be in the new Super Smash Brothers. Nintendo is really coming back from the Wii U. That's very exciting. But more importantly, I am, for the second time this month, going to go ahead and announce my early retirement from our show. Because Fortnite just came out on the Switch, and I had never played it until today, and I think I logged, like, maybe three hours of it, uh, continuously. See, I have not played any of the the recent trendy shooter games. I I didn't play Overwatch, I didn't play PUBG, and I I have only the faintest notion of what 
Fortnite is about. Well, it is about to consume my life. Well, Eli, it's been nice knowing you. Yep, we better get this out of the way, because my Nintendo Switch is going to be charged again soon. I literally ran the battery down. The Smash Brothers announcement is genuinely shocking. Yeah. Ninten yeah. Nintendo announcing that literally every character who has ever been in a Smash Bros. game is going to be there right out of the box. Ridley from uh, the Metroid series, who fans have been clamoring for for more than a decade. Like 20 years uh, now. Finally gets to, to appear in-game. This is the first game where I felt like, you know what, maybe I need a Switch. Which blows my mind. The maybe Switch my is... PlayStation 4 needs a friend. The Switch is the... It's the opposite of what the Wii U was. The Wii U was like, ah, I got a couple of good games, but nobody to play them with. And the Switch is just like, here are all of the best games that are happening right now, and everyone in the world to play play with. So anyway, uh, that's all of the banter. I've just been really distracted by things that are actually scary and video games. But I managed to fit in time to watch this episode, The Tale of the Many Faces, and I'm actually excited to talk about it. So all of that out of the way... Let's go ahead and dive in. Alright, The Tale of Many Faces is the 90th episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It originally aired on June the 4th of the year 2000. It was directed by Lorette LeBlanc and written by Alan Kingsberg, both of whom have made several contributions in the New Batch series. And this is going to be a Vange story. When we meet the kids at the campfire, Vange is showing off her collection of masks including an ornate tribal mask that I just assume she stole from an exhibit Killmonger style. <laughs> Van just standing in a museum looking at it. She's like, I'm feeling this. And she just yeah. takes it. Van explains that her story is obviously about masks and how masks can make you feel like you're a different person, but deep down, you're still you until you're not. And then she threw the coffee creamer on the fire and introduced the tale of Goosebumps, colon, The Haunted Mask. There's the, I, I don't know about that. It's been a long time since I've watched or read The Tale of the Haunted Mask. We can talk about any parallels no, between those two. They are not, they're not at all similar, but okay. the way she talks about masks and like <laughs> Thank God. How, how wearing a mask, no, don't worry, how wearing a mask like sort of changes who you are or you can lose your identity i was like is this just gonna be a haunted mask ripoff and it is definitely not so that was a huge relief dodged a bullet <laughs> yeah uh anyway she gives this monologue that kind of sounds like uh ben stein from the movie the mask we all wear masks metaphorically speaking it's a less exciting version of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, you, if you can believe such a thing uh, but anyway, so, she does throw the coffee creamer on the fire. We get a really good pop out of it, and she introduces the tale of many faces. And our tale begins at a fashion shoot where we meet, as far as I'm concerned, we meet the main character right at the very beginning, an <laughs> over-the-top flamboyant, vaguely European photographer named Jacques, who is just yeah. straight out of central casting. Uh, in a reference to last week's description of a character, this is Night at the Roxbury, Pepe no, Le Pew. No, no, no. Pretend it's your birthday. You're excited. You smile. Yes? We meet our, we meet our actual main young protagonist, who is an aspiring young model named Emma. And Emma is auditioning for a fashion shoot. She gets passed over, maybe because of her weird bowl haircut. Because of her uh, terrible wig? Is she wearing a wig? I think the actress who's playing this character is wearing a wig. Yeah, but the character is not supposed it's to. It's like be a mop a wig. top. It's bad. 
Emma gets passed over for this this photo this fashion shoot, but there with her is her classically attractive best friend Jesse, who starts modeling for the camera and instantly gets the gig. This part cracked me up because the guy's taking pictures of her in the very cliche cartoony way where he's like, Yes, do this, do that, more, more, give me more blah blah blah. I don't know why I'm making him sound like a vampire. Um, and blah, then he's in, blah, 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 you know, like a photographer. And right. he immediately goes, that's it. I found her. You're going to be our new Miss whatever. As though the photographer decides which model is like the face of a thing. That's not what the photographer does. He's not in charge of decision making at the magazine. No, what they don't tell you is that this guy wears a lot of hats. He is the editor. He's just such a control freak. He has to take the pictures himself. He only does it only does it every now and then, and everyone hates it because he acts like such an eccentric cartoon. He's not even the, French. The pictures are actually terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. But <laughs> Yeah, they go in and reshoot them afterwards. But yeah. it's just, you know, eccentric billionaires. Anyway, so her friend gets the part. Uh, Emma is bummed, and she's complaining about this, when all of a sudden, the worst actress in the episode pops up. I don't know about that. (laughs) I think we're only scratching the surface of bad actresses in this episode. A bad actress of the episode. A very obviously evil young talent scout approaches Emma in the dressing room or whatever and offers her a role at a place called the Madame Visage Theater. It's always interesting to me when there is an institution in an episode and the institution is big and prestigious and like wealthy and yet none of the characters have heard of it very unsuspicious so of course emma immediately accepts this role like she's been invited to play laser tag by a creep thank god this talent scout or whatever is not as creepy as drake from last week i didn't see you in there oh but i saw you no one is no one in this episode is as creepy as drake and that's saying something because this is actually a creepy episode Emma accepts this gig, and she goes to meet Madame Visage. And when she enters the theater, she is greeted by a a veritable army of young women wearing expressionless white masks and Amish robes. Uh, this mask, or these masks scare the shit out of me. These masks are fucking terrifying on their own. Like, they're completely vacant, and I love me some vacant expressionless masks. I always think they look scary and cool. Yeah, uh, and they're in this weird, like, Charles Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters place that has looks like it's been abandoned. So I, you get some very haunted vibes, people in weird masks. This is going to turn into an Eyes Wide Shut thing real fast. <laughs> These new batch episodes just love turning into Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> they can't help themselves. So these masked women lead him to Madame Visage, and oh my good God in heaven... We get the worst fake accent I've ever heard. My theater is known the world over for presenting the most lovely faces to ever grace a stage. But raw beauty is just a start. The woman playing Madame Visage is really, really overacting. Madame Visage herself, okay, so when Emma meets Madame Visage, she's dressed like a, like a 1920s... She's dressed uh, like, like Miss Piggy. Yes, she's dressed like Miss Piggy and has the same kind of, like, mannerism. She's very, like, over-the-top and dramatic. She's also, like, 18, and she's apparently the owner of, again, this massive ex-mansion. I just can't stress enough how unbelievably awful this accent is. Let's just listen to it for a moment right here. Lovely, Emma, just lovely. 
How did you know my name? Your face would be perfect for the lead role in my new play. Yeah, she's definitely going in the bad line reading Hall of Fame. Anyway, Madame Visage offers Emma both a role in this play that she's directing. They never say what the play is, which yeah. should be a red flag. But she also offers Emma a capsule of makeup. This strange, unlabeled white powder that Emma instantly throws onto her face without thinking twice. The second this happened, the second she was like, here, put this cream on your face, I said to Cheyenne, I said, I swear to God, if this is another episode where an eccentric woman who's been alive for hundreds of years is stealing the youth of younger women and preying on their insecurities to do so, and then giving them some magic talisman that she uses to draw it out, and that talisman is, like, distinctly female, I'm gonna be pissed. Now, Eli, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. This is the tale of the mystical mirror, but with a thin veneer of, we want to be actresses. And that thin veneer reeks of a weird thing that happens in certain episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where they pretend to be about something, but they're really not. How, like, Station 109.1 was barely about radio, it was about, like, weird passage to hell stuff in a bizarre waiting room like episodes that say or like the pinball wizard which is an episode that is very very thinly tangentially related they talk about pinball but they don't really do a lot of pinball in it this is the same way we're like oh yeah we're in acting school and you're gonna be in a play and we're casting you as the star despite the fact that no one ever rehearses and there's not a stage and we don't tell you what the play is this is just an episode about a woman stealing young women's vitality and they just had to dress it up differently. I have a theory about this. I want to wait until the end to talk about it, but you're right. right. This was, was, without, that comparison was inevitably going to happen, because, yeah. And this is the moment, the reason I bring it up now is because this is the moment in the episode where it becomes 100% flatly transparent. Like, you already knew this was a girl who was dealing with image issues, and now a weirdo in a strange place has given her a suspicious thing. So we're just, this is the moment that it all kind of comes together. Anyway, she gives her this cream and says, put this shit on your face, go home, and then come back later. The next day, Emma goes back to this casting call for the magazine. And despite the fact that her best friend has already gotten the part or like gotten the gig, she walks onto the set looking like a new woman. And this photographer guy, Jacques, is absolutely floored by her new attitude. She Not actually just, just Lord. He he sees her like the moment he sees her, he looks like he is about to like bust a nut. Oh yes, 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 yes. Give her a scalp. Hurry, hurry. Yes, yes. And they start shooting pictures of her, and then he does the same thing I talked about earlier. She models, she poses, he has someone put a scarf on her while he takes pictures, and then he goes, Yes, this is it. I can see it now. I've decided you're our new cover girl. You're going to be the face on all of our catalogs. You are the photographer. Hey, when you know, you just know. Yeah, I guess I guess he's like, I'm going to go up to my dad, the owner of Spree Catalog, and you're and he's going to put you on the cover. So despite the fact that Jesse, the best friend, was already promised this job, Emma is now the cover girl, and Jesse is understandably a little bit jealous. Sometime uh, later, b- back at the theater, uh, Emma is with Madame Visage, and Visage just whips out her book of faces. Let's let's talk about the book of faces for a minute. About how shitty it is? 
Madame Visage has what looks like a like a photo album style book. Then she what, that when she opens it up, it contains just f- what look like photographs of faces, not entire heads, just the face on marbled paper. It looks hella cheap. It's yeah, it's definitely a one-off prop by like an intern in the prop department. In an instant, things go from looking kind of shitty and stupid to. Eli, this is maybe one of the scariest scenes in the entire series. Madame Visage touches a blank page, and her fucking face disappears. It slides off. So what's happening is, she's like, these are the faces of my stars. And Emma is stupidly like, oh, I hope my face can be in that book someday. And she says, sooner than you think. Peels her own face off by magic into this book. So that she can now steal Emma's face. The appearance of characters in this episode when they are missing their faces is one of the scariest images in the show. Yes, it is unbelievable. It's like the aliens in in Tale of the 13th Floor, but worse. Their eyes look glazed over, but all the skin and facial features on their face are gone. Their face is now just a perfectly smooth, round mound with a mouth that looks like a butthole. They have a butthole mouth and a Voldemort nose. That may sound kind of amusing. It's terrifying. Because they talk out of those butthole mouths. That's the worst thing, is seeing them talk out of these butthole mouths. Oh, God. Visage touches Emma and steals her face. Emma's face is transferred onto Visage's head, and now Emma has this grotesque, featureless butthole face, and she lets out a scream, and we go to commercial. Much better. There's a new hero in town, a whirlwind of action that's positively... Spookhead! Yes, dare to wear the mask! From zero to hero, the mask is one lean green crime-fighting machine. He's a hard-hitting superhero! As he battles the evil mask-stealing Dorian. He's a quick-draw dude with maskitude! Yeah, the first part of this episode is so cartoonish, and that everything that happens right leading up to that commercial break is... Like, you're not even prepared for it, because... The atmosphere is not equal to those masks. Well, it's an episode where we've had two photo shoot montages already. They've lulled you into this false sense of security where it's like, I can't take this episode seriously. This is ridiculous. And then it's like, boom, baseless. I can't tell if that's good direction or bad direction, but it really like caught me off guard. So when we come back from the commercial break, Emma is sitting there with her new terrifying face, and one of the girls in robes comes in. Uh, She has a number 87 embroidered on the pocket, like the chest pocket of her robe. And she's like, hey, I'm 87, here are your robes. You should put this mask on, trust me, it's better this way. Like, none of us want to see your face, you don't want to see our faces. We're all going to wear these masks. And Emma's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We have to stop this shit. And she's like, no, uh, Madame Massage is crazy powerful you cannot stop her magic none of us can stop her magic and she's like well then we have to go to the police and she's like you want to go out into the real world looking like this go out there and see how people treat you when you have a butthole mouth and emma puts the mask on thinking yeah she's right like this is not good and 87 starts walking her around giving an exposition dump about the situation that they are in She shows her that all of the girls that Madame Visage captures 
are put to work in her costume sweatshop. And anyone who steps out of line is either banished or given the ultimate punishment. The Punishment Book. The Punishment Book. Which is just a big purple book that Madame Visage uses to unmake people. It's a book she spanks you with. That's Why would you spank someone with a book? That's what Punishment Book sounds like to me. You just hold it in both hands. It's a big hardback book. You hold it in both hands, kind of like, and swing it like you would a steel chair, but really small. That feels like a very specific fetish or punishment. <laughs> it's a very specific eyes wide shut party that they're going to. That is true. They, they, they're down for anything there. So after this exposition dump happens, we discover that Jesse has followed Emma to Madame Visage's scary place. Uh, when she gets there, who should answer the door but Madame Visage, who now looks just like Emma. Yeah, she's wearing Emma's face, so Jesse just naturally assumes this is Emma in costume, deep into character for whatever this role is. Yeah, she's like, why are you acting weird? Why are you wearing that costume? And she's like, oh, we're rehearsing. It's part of the process. And Jesse says, all right, well, listen, I hope you're not pissed at me, but I came here to get some of that magic shit you put on your face. Do you think that's going to be a problem? And Madame Visage grins, and she's like, fuck, no, that's not a problem. Leads her to a private room and says, basically, she says, put as much of this on as you want. And then later she's like, put some more of it on. Do you need more of this stuff to steal their faces? Because it seems like any amount works. I honestly think you could have done this episode without the magic powder at all, but eh, whatever. As this is happening, we get kind of the, the the thesis statement for this episode. Number 87 explains to Emma that Madame Visage doesn't just take your face, she takes your whole identity. None of these girls remember who they are or what their names were. They're not allowed to talk about it. They've all just become these faceless drones. Uh, Emma starts snooping around and finds both the Book of Punishment and another strange book in a cabinet. She steals a key off of another faceless girl. Number 66. And opens up an ancient-looking brown book to reveal a hideous old lady face. A crone face. A crone face. As this is happening, there's a lot of talk about how uh, Emma is saying, like, you girls gotta remember your names, you gotta remember your past. My name is Emma. When she says that, number 87 says, yeah, my name was Lizzie, and I had a brother. She's like, see, like, you're not gone just because you've lost your attractive face. You're still a person, you're still you on the inside. That's And that's sort of like the, the like, feminist empowerment thing that they're going for here in this episode, is she's saying, like, don't let someone steal your identity just by taking away the face that you think is beautiful so that's one thing that's happening and then the other thing is they steal these books when they steal these books they get caught they get caught because 66 rats them out so now she's holding these books madame visage has come into the room she's brought all of her other faceless girls in and she's like y'all fucked up it's time for the punishment book well we're glossing over the part where emma very dramatically throws the book of punishment into the fire oh yeah but then Madame Visage uses her ill-defined witch powers to just put out the fire, grabs the book, and yeah, she's like, y'all done fucked up now. She says, take- she has a great line there, though. You think my power can be destroyed that easily? You've been watching too much television. Oh, fuck you. Playing playing on the old, like, fucking with the tropes here, turning shit upside down. I, I didn't appreciate that. I thought that was stupid. Uh, it was a little bit too on the nose. Like, she was basically... Uh, she's just shy of looking at the camera and winking as she says it. Anyway, Emma is going to be punished. She's brought before all of the other girls in Madame Visage's office, and she's about to be unmade in the Book of Punishment. 
Emma makes one last stand, and and like you said earlier, she implores all the girls to remember who they were, and their identities haven't been stolen, and they can overcome this. 87 stands up to Madame Visage, but Madame Visage casually opens with the Book of Punishment and zaps her away in a pretty decent-looking effect. Yeah. we got a funny moment here where Jesse finally starts to suspect that something unusual is happening here. Okay, now this is getting bad. But once 87 is zapped away into the Book of Punishment, this is the last straw. All of the other girls turn on Madame Visage. Emma grabs the old, old book containing the old, old face and uses it to give Madame Visage her true face back. And as she does, Madame Visage says, You can't do that to me. I'm 300 fucking years old. But she does it anyway, and Madame Visage transforms from Emma into an incredibly old lady into a fucking skeleton right in front of everybody. Yeah, it's like a C- it's the CGI equivalent of what happens to people when they choose poorly in Last Crusade. <laughs> yes. So she dies on screen. What are those precious few on-screen deaths that we relish so much? And goes and all of the straight gr- to hell. And goes straight to hell. All the girls discover they have their faces back. They all pull off their masks. There's a big tearful reunion where they all introduce themselves to one another properly. And Jesse sees that the Book of Punishment is empty. The end. We cut back to the Midnight Society, and Vange kind of wraps up her story and looks up to see everyone wearing goofy-ass masks. Which I guess she somehow didn't notice was they were putting them on. They all just glare at her from their seats, and then they stand up and walk towards her menacingly like they're about to murder her in the woods and then never speak of it again. Uh, Yeah, it's supposed to be this ominous thing, but like you said, she watched them put on the masks. They walk right up to her and then just pull the masks off and go, Gotcha! And they give her the usual great story, yada yada yada. Funky ass theme song. Funky ass theme song. That was the tale of many faces, the penultimate episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And man, what a what a weird, weird episode. <laughs> A bit of a roller coaster, and not like a roller coaster that has a lot of speed to it. Just some twists and turns. This episode felt really tonally inconsistent. It jumped from really campy, comical moments with in the first half to... It was played almost dead serious during the second half. Yeah, and, and when it wasn't played dead serious, it had some legitimately funny moments. Yeah. It almost feels like there were like three different directors here there were there was some great intentional and unintentional comedy during that first half but yeah once we get to the second half it's a lot of talking that's not to say there aren't things to appreciate about the episode it's just it's very stop and start it's very strange and you're absolutely right there are things to appreciate appreciate about this episode of course obviously the effects in this episode this is the rare episode the rare latter day episode of are you afraid of the dark where yeah the effects are really good the masks the actual actresses are wearing to convey facelessness are fucking terrifying. So one of the scariest visuals I think we've ever had in the show. And even in the few instances where they have to rely on like CGI or non-practical effects, uh, they all look good. There's nothing embarrassing in this episode visually. The acting is not something to appreciate here. <laughs> the acting is a different story. <laughs> it goes from bad to worse. Oh, God. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd say that. That, Actually, the biggest problem with this episode for me is re- is Madame Visage herself, as she appears, especially the actress playing her in the beginning. When your skin is prepared with this powder, stage lighting is almost 
unnecessary. Here, try some. Yeah, and you wonder, is that more of a directing issue? Is it that they just made that character too over the top? It's a lot of things. I mean, writing that character as a, a Hollywood queen character could maybe work, but none of these actresses are capable of really selling that, especially the first one. But even when the Emma actress takes over the role, it's still not great. And like you said earlier, this whole thing feels totally derivative. The story feels totally derivative. It's just like the tale of of Mystical Mirror, the tale of the vacant lot. Which it doesn't add anything to that. It tries, but like in term, at, a sto- at a story level, it's at a character level, it's nothing we haven't seen before multiple times, and it's just Actually, like... I'm, I'm going to stop you on that, because I want to come to this episode's defense. This is something that we've seen a lot before, but when compared to Magic Mirror, Mystical Mirror, whatever, and Vacant Lot, I actually think, as far as the like conceptual stuff about identity and self-worth and empowerment, I think it's the best of those three. There are no mentions of boyfriends in it, right? Passes like, the Bechdel test again. None of the women in this discuss their beauty in relation to men. Uh, they actually discuss it sort of like comparing themselves to each other, but only for a female audience, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I appreciate all, that. You're right. All of the women in it come together to stop the witch. Like everyone comes together to stop one villain. No women are like quarreling amongst each other. Um, there is one evil character and everyone else realizes that they have to stick together and that their strength comes from working together rather than like all being afraid and only looking out for themselves. Like there are a lot of really good things happening in this episode. They're just lost in all of the other stuff. Um, I also want to praise, since we've said a lot of negative, I also want to praise aside from the special effects, we said the acting was bad, but when the girls have masks on and they're having to like emote just through body language and hand movement i think they all do fantastic the line delivery is not always great but i think that's probably because they're having to re-record the lines in a studio and they're probably not all together when they're doing that yeah but the the actual body acting that they're doing in the episode is good so there are really good things in this episode it just feels like this episode feels like the story was thrown together from images like they it's almost like you took a sketchbook that had some really interesting sketches in it, some really creepy sketches in it, and then you tried to build a narrative out of those. I was about to say that exact same thing. I was going That was going to be my theory, that they came up with the idea of this faceless appearance first and then reverse-engineered a story from that as best they could. I think I, I sincerely believe that is what happened. Yeah, we will call it the Tim Burton style of writing. <laughs> yes. Create an image that you like and then try to build a world around it unsuccessfully. Uh, but with all of that out of the way, I guess we've got to ask, we got to ask the question here. I'm Dikes. ready. Ask me. Are you scared of this? Oh, yes. For whatever faults we can find with this episode, you can't say it wasn't scary. No, images, like stills from this episode are scarier than entire, you could take like maybe a good minute of this episode, maybe like several minutes of this episode and stack those up against the entirety of Laser Maze. And, like, there is no part of Laser Maze that's scarier than 30 seconds of this. I will even recommend the episode based on that. It's worth seeing just for the scares. Your mileage for the rest of the episode may vary. But, yeah, the facelessness is good. Woman turning into a skeleton. That effect was done better in Mystical Mirror, but it's still pretty creepy here. Yeah, I was scared of this. Eli, I think you're 
already said, but I'll ask you the question as well, just in case. You scared of this? Scared of it, yep. All right, well, we are on record as being scared of this. So good job, Vange. Next week, Eli. Oh my god. Dykus. Next week, we are going to be reviewing The Tale of the Night Nurse, which is going to be the last and final episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, I want to just put out a disclaimer right now. We're not going to make a big deal out of this. We're going to treat it like any other episode, so save your tears for the the Freydies and the final Freydies. We're going to have plenty of time to reminisce and look back on on the show on this season and the show as a whole in the in the coming weeks and you better have some tears when we do but not next week but not next week this is going to well we may say goodbye to Vange so you, you can weep for her but yeah until then we want to thank everybody for listening you can find us online at facebook.com slash you scared this. We're on Twitter at you scared this. And if you want to catch up on the previous 89 episodes of our show, plus all the bonus episodes, you can find us at soundcloud.com slash you scared of this. And we are on Apple podcast and Google play or whatever they're called now. And if you want to find us on there, give us a shout out, go for it. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, something we talked about was if anyone wants to shoot us a message about Are You Afraid of the Dark? We are getting to the end of the time where we can sort of uh, interact on our show about those things. Obviously, the Facebook is there and Twitter is there. But, you know, if any of you who have been listening or who are listening, if you have memories of Are You Afraid of the Dark that you enjoy, if you want to say anything, you know, share your favorite episodes of our show or just say goodbye to the fellow party people. Uh, feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook, or you can record some audio and send it to us. Our email address is uh, youscaredofthisshit at gmail.com. Don't forget the shit. Um, yeah, the original title of the show before the man made us change it. Yeah. Old, old ghost jobs. But hit us up uh, in any way that you want to, if you feel so inclined. Send those in anytime between now and the final Freddy's. Um, you know, we're going to have the, the last episode of the show. We're going to have a Freddy's for season seven. We're definitely going to have the final Freddy's. We might have some other special stuff. Um, but anytime between now and the final Freddy's, if you want to send us a message of some kind, we are looking at possibly putting working those into that final episode. Uh, I think that would be a cool thing to do if anyone wants to. So, you know, think about doing that as you're listening to the back catalog or interacting on Facebook or whatever you're going to do. And we will see you next week for the final episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Until then, I declare this episode of You Scared of This closed. Now you can eat a cracker. (laughs) You had them there. Were they in your hand? Did you even... Did you even taste it? They were a few feet away.